LifeLock Ultimate. I have it, and I want to be sure you have it, too. LifeLock goes way beyond guarding your identity, your good name, and your credit. Those are essential. But now LifeLock is the only identity theft protection company that monitors bank accounts for takeover or fraud. But LifeLock can't protect you or your bank accounts if you're not a member. Visit LifeLock.com for details and use my last name, Osgood, to get 10% off your LifeLock Ultimate membership. Or you can call LifeLock and mention Osgood. 1-800-307-5880. That's 1-800-307-5880. One more time. 1-800-307-5880. Network does not cover all transactions and scope may vary. Meet Jerry D. Hi. Jerry and his family, like you, are very concerned about world conditions and have gathered many emergency preparedness items, including turtle tough shelters. We have added two 24-foot turtle tufts to our supplies and feel very secure knowing our large family is ready for whatever the future may bring. Turtle tough shelters are not tents. They are permanent yet portable four-season geodesic frame shelters that are as strong as a cabin at a fraction of the cost and are easy to set up, take down, and move anywhere. Available in two sizes. Get your Turtle Tough Shelter and accessories included at TurtleToughShelters.com. That's Turtle, T-U-F-F, Shelters.com. Or call 801-623-3288. That's 801-623-3288. Or see them online at TurtleToughShelters.com. Turtle Tough Shelters, your all-season home away from home. It's expensive to maintain a house today, isn't it? And especially in today's world. And the price of carpeting is no exception. This is why we started $3 Carpet. If you're looking for carpet but do not want to spend a fortune and want a medium-grade carpet, please call us. We specialize in a medium-grade, low-pile solid color carpet for only three dollars per yard which would normally sell anywhere from ten to fifteen dollars this is two-day carpet our specialty it's been used only two days has not been stretched so it's basically brand new it's only three dollars per yard it looks and feels brand new our warehouse is in west jordan come see our huge inventory and call us 888-968-1913 that's 888-968-1913 our customers love their carpet and you will too Call 888-968-1913 or go to $3carpet.com. Call now, 888-968-1913. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the revolution. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, like that means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. This is the Jake Shannon Radio Program. He's the man to see when you are ready to be free. He is your salvation from social engineering. Wrestling historian, rock on tour. Provocateur, entrepreneur. He's the libertarian hypnotist, Jake Shannon. This is the end. Hold your breath and count to ten. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Jake Shannon Radio Show. That is me, Jake Shannon. This is where you get your daily dose of liberty and logic 
Think of us as the Second Amendment for your mind. This is the show that fights to close that gap between rhetoric and reality. Now, write down our call number. You are going to need it. 801-254-5855. As Thomas Jefferson before me, I've sworn an eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the minds of men. So, while I may not agree with what you say when you call in, I will always fight for your right to say it. It is Tuesday. It is the 19th of March, 2013. Man, we're already heading towards April. Guys, is it crazy? Man, it's like going so fast. Tons of stuff in the news. Uh, Excited today. Calling in shortly uh, a guy who has done a lot to educate people in the perils of... It's not what you think. It's probably the last thing from your mind. The dangers of intellectual property. Why should you be against this concept of intellectual property? And how does that jive with being a libertarian, right? Because what's the real difference between, say, a libertarian, and why are they always lumped into the right of the political spectrum, versus somebody like a Noam Chomsky, who calls himself libertarian, but lumped in on the left? A lot of that is because uh, most libertarians, as the term is generally accepted today, at least here in the United States, are advocates for property rights. But we have to be careful that that respect for property rights doesn't overextend itself. So we're going to be talking about why intellectual property is bad. Yes, These uh, Metallica, when they go after people who download MP3s, uh, when Pirate Bay and and what's his name, Kim.com or whatever, is thrown in jail for file sharing. Is there such thing as ownership of property? So we're going to be having Stephen Kinsella. He's an attorney. He's associated with the Mises Institute. He's he's the one who really kind of woke me up to these arguments. It, It sounds counterintuitive at first, but... Property rights. Is there such a thing as a property right in something that isn't physical? Like an idea. Can you own an idea? Good luck with that, if you think so. Um, And he'll be calling in here shortly. 801-254-5855 is the call-in number. I want you to listen to to Professor Davies is another gentleman who shares a similar belief. I'm sure there's nuanced differences between he and... Uh, Stephen Kinsella. But Until I want you to recently, if you started to talk about intellectual property, most people's eyes would glaze over and they'd try rapidly to change the subject. Recently, however, here in the United States, we had the enormous controversy over SOPA, the Stop Online Piracy Act, which led to a mass movement of protest by people who feared that their own favorite websites would be shut down. Over in Europe, the attempts to shut down the peer-to-peer music sharing site Pirate Bay led to the formation of a new political movement, the Pirate Party, which actually enjoyed considerable electoral success in both Sweden and Germany, despite being a one-issue party. So what is going on here? Well, what you need to realize is that this is not actually about online piracy. What we have here is an argument about intellectual property. 
And the reason why it's a complicated argument is because there are three quite distinct and different ways of understanding what intellectual property is. The first, and in some ways the simplest way, is to think that intellectual property is just like any other kind of property. Most people who take this view believe that intellectual property is a natural right and that it should be understood in the same way as other kinds of property as deriving ultimately from the creative labour of people such as writers, artists and inventors. If this were true, it would mean that every time you wanted to cite the Declaration of Independence, you would have to pay a royalty fee to the estate of Thomas Jefferson. So in practice, most people support the second way of thinking about intellectual property. This is that intellectual property is a special kind of property which is created by governments. And it has a number of features that regular property doesn't have. Most notably, it's time limited. What it also does is to give the holder of the intellectual property a monopoly right in the creative resource that they've created or purchased. And this gives them a higher income from that intellectual resource than they otherwise would get. The reason for doing this is to create an incentive for people to be more productive and more creative and inventive in areas like pharmaceutical science, literature, music, the arts, and so on. The third view, which I personally hold, is that intellectual property is both intellectually incoherent and dangerous. It's dangerous because in order to enforce intellectual property, you have to interfere with people's other property rights in real physical objects and to stop them using those objects freely and as they wish to. So you aren't able to freely use, for example, your computer, your MP3 player or your video recorder. Huh? It's also, I would argue, unnecessary insofar as it's quite possible to encourage and stimulate innovation and invention without resorting to the monopoly privileges of patents and copyright. And indeed there's some case for saying that what patents actually do is to stop and hinder innovation in many areas. All right, so that's Stephen uh, Davies. Uh, I think it's Institute for Economic Affairs is the organization he's with. But uh, without further ado, I believe we have Stephen Kinsella on the line with us. Is that you, sir? I'm here. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing super duper. I appreciate you uh, making time to come and talk about this issue because I think it's one of those things that tends to be kind of counterintuitive. Uh, maybe not for your more uh, old school libertarians or the people who've been involved and really digested the ideas of liberty and property. But, you know, a lot of these we're seeing a huge wave. I mean, obviously, right after Ron Paul, it used to be the old gateway drug to liberty was Ayn Rand, and now it's Ron Paul. And we're seeing all these new people. But why do we give a crap? I mean, you're what I love about you. I, I don't know you from Adam, but what I love about you is that you've really defended this very well, and you've made a convert out of me. It wasn't something I'd really seriously considered before, but you've really made a convert. Why be, especially as a libertarian, somebody who cares about real property, and property rights. Why be against intellectual property? Well, um, I sympathize with, um, you know, the difficulty with this. It is not an intuitively obvious issue that we should be opposed to. But if you, the more you think about it, the more abuses you see on a daily basis. I mean, I think just yesterday the Supreme Court struck down the, the appeal by Jamie Thomas Rassett, this woman who had just uploaded a few songs and who's being uh, held liable for hundreds of thousands of dollars of damages for copyright infringement. The damages the government foists on us are completely 
mean, tens or hundreds of times out of whack with what anyone would think is, you know, proportionate damages or, or fair liability. Um, but the, the fundamental problem with patent and copyright law, and listen, I'm a strong proponent of property rights, free markets, capitalism, um, but the problem is that you cannot expand property rights without taking something away. It's just like money. You can't just print more money and give it to people without a cost. You know, when you print more money, when the government prints more money, they dilute the, the purchasing power of existing money. And when the government expands rights, like when they say, well, if property rights are good, why don't we have a right to welfare or Social Security or to a job? The problem is the government can't expand these rights without you know, intruding upon the domain of existing rights. And it's the same thing with intellectual property rights. Basically, an intellectual property right, which is primarily patent and copyright law, is an anti-competitive, anti-free market, anti-private property rights grant of monopoly privilege that government grants some favored people, which restricts the property rights of other people. So you can't give property rights without taking property rights away. And that's the primary problem with patent and copyright law. Well, what, what seems interesting, and especially kind of coming to mind as, as you're, as you're um, uh, explaining, you know, in if you own, like, uh, you're an artist and you have a CD or a DVD, what I find funny is the way you're explaining it, it, it makes it sound like a cartelization in the same way like a licensing agreement with intellectual property is like a license that a Department of Occupational Licensing would, would issue. It's more of kind of a anti-competitive type of thing. No, it exactly is. So, for example, um, the, the entire purpose, I mean, look, the people that promote these, these laws will admit this. The entire purpose of copyright and patent law is to protect people from competition. So they'll say things like, well, you know, if you make a new invention or drug or song, how are you supposed to sell it if people can come and compete with you right away? Well, that's the free market process. In other words, what they're saying is, how are we supposed to have an incentive to do something if you have to face competition on the free market? And on, on the surface, the, that yeah. argument makes sense. But when you actually look at it, there are so many uh, examples that run counter to that argument, right? Well, not only that, it's the other way around. I mean, yeah, I mean, no one can really say that we would not have any innovation or creativity or novels or art we didn't have the government come in and incentivize this with a patent or copyright scheme. What, so what they retreat to is they say, well, we wouldn't have enough. So what they're talking about is fine-tuning the knobs of society with these government levers to try to optimize what the government thinks is the right amount of creati creativity or innovation. But anyone who believes the government knows what the right amount of innovation is is just crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a point well taken. Um, we're, look, we're it's it's live radio, so I hope you're okay taking phone calls. We're we're bumping against our, our first break here, guys. This is the kind of thing that would radically alter society. I think we've we've been so immersed in this. It's it's like that, you know, the cheesy metaphor of the of the matrix where it's like we're just so immersed in it we can't even see how it's affecting us and holding us back in so many ways. Um, I wanna go into that a little bit and I wanna go into some of the you know, a little bit of the history because, you know, I'm, I've am i been libertarian since about the early 90s, 
I, I used to work at laissez-faire books back in the 90s. and So I'm familiar with some of these arguments, guys like uh, S.E.K. the third and, you know, mm-hmm. and things of that nature because you can split off in different areas and different ideas and they have serious ramifications. I think what actually – I've read your works and I really do appreciate it. You, you reason very well and very strongly and vigorously. I mean I know a lot of people kind of poke at you and are, are trying to get you. I agree with your position. You've convinced me. Uh, but this has deep – deep ramifications and i find what you've done is really made a parallel with austrian economics which makes sense with your affiliation with uh the mises institute about the subjective value of nature i saw this post you were you were kind of ragging on john locke and his theory of value and mixing labor and and i i want to get into that because we're bumping on our commercial break but i want to kind of talk a little in depth about value about subjective value and how do we actually determine what's property and what's not property given then intellectual property really doesn't hold water. Come on back, guys. we got Stephen Kinsella. Give us a call, 801-254-5855. If you agree, you disagree, whatever, give us a call. We'll talk about it. Are you 62 years old, still paying a mortgage payment? Do you feel broke at the end of each month? Effective immediately. You can eliminate your mortgage and put more cash in your pocket. You do not need income to qualify. You keep the deed to your home and could even receive monthly income. We're Intermountain Senior Mortgages, and we only lend in Utah. We can even meet with you face-to-face. Don't wait till tonight. Call right now. 801-716-5919. Intermountain Senior Mortgages. 716-5919. Be prepared for whatever disaster comes. Eden Valley Farms provides your family's food storage needs with the highest quality premium grade A ingredients in food storage products. Eden Valley Farms has no trans fat, no MSG, no silicon dioxide, and no oils. Meals are packaged in lightweight Mylar bags that are nitrogen flush sealed for 25 years freshness. Great for hunting and camping trips too. For premium grade A long life foods, call today 801-668-7272 That's 668-7272 or order online EdenValleyFood.com. Mention this ad for wholesale prices. She knows a hollow from a double up. She does snapbacks, backsides, shoots the curl. Bethany Hamilton knows everything about surfing. She just didn't know about the shark. But just months after the attack, and with only one arm, the 13-year-old surfs again. And now she's ripping it better than ever. So next time life puts a little fear in you, just think of Bethany Hamilton hanging 10 on top of a heavy wave. That's real courage. Pass it on. A message from the Foundation for a Better Life. Tune in on Sundays at 4 p.m. to learn the latest cutting-edge science of health with your hosts, Hugo Rodier, MD, and Gary Olson, D.C., on the Integrative Health Show, sponsored by Pioneer Comprehensive Medical Clinic in Draper. Our country is suffering from poor health due to nutritional, environmental, and stress problems. Learn how to address these problems and not rely on symptomatic treatments that often have too many side effects. The Integrative Health Show, Sundays at 4 p.m. on KTOC AM 630. All right, guys, we are back. Jake Shannon Radio Show. Got Stephen Kinsella on the line. Are you there, uh, sir? Jake, I'm here. Okay, super. So, you know, we, uh, we mentioned some of the good guys, but also, you know, look, the great thing about libertarians is we are a contentious bunch. We're polite by and large, but, you know, we have our little snipey moments here and there. Uh, one of the people that might be on the other side of the SEK Three, this idea about intellectual property being on the other side of it uh, is uh, Galambos. 
Oh, yeah. And this idea oh. that you should somehow, uh, every time you and I use the word the, we have to pay some fund to some fraction of a fee. Or, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they can make an app for it, but it seems rather ridiculous to me. Well, I think, in a way, the three worst offenders on this issue would be like Ayn Rand, yep, Galambos, Galambos, who is almost a, uh, like a Scientology type weird libertarian cult leader in California in the 70s. Um, and Lysander Spooner, who was great on everything that I know about except for IP, what, what they basically do is they, they, they take the libertarian appreciation of the idea of property, which is the idea that we ought to have a certain domain of control over certain things in the world you know, with, without other people interfering with it, and they extend it to almost everything you can think of. Like if you can come up with a concept or a word that describes something – then someone's got to own it, and then they then they come up with a rule for who should own these things. The, the problem with this way of thinking is that it, it it sort of divorces itself from the, the original basis of property, which is the fact of, of scarcity. In other words, we live in a world of thir- – there are some things that are scarce that only some people can use at one time. And so to avoid conflict, we come up with, with property rules that says who can use this one thing that only one person can use. But if it happens to be a thing that everyone can use at the same time with no conflict, that's a great thing. And information and ideas are one of those things. So we can all use the same recipe. We can all use the idea of the wheel, for example. We can all use language at the same time without stepping on each other's toes. So there's just there's simply no need for property rights in these things. And in fact, as I tried to point out with the analogy to inflation or, or, or inflation of rights and positive law and socialistic rights, when you try to grant rights and things, remember all these property rights are always enforced by the power of law and force. Okay, so if you grant a property right in an idea or a pattern of information, you always have to use force against it, and you're using force against other people's property rights. So, for example, if I say I'm the only guy who can make a a sequel to Catcher in the Rye or Star Wars. What that means is if you write a novel with your own paper and sell it to people voluntarily, that's like a sequel to Star Wars or to Catcher in the Rye, then I can take some of your money from you as damages, or I can use the power of the law against your body, put you in jail, for example, because you violated my property rights. So you can see that this attempt to transfer property rights by copyright or patent is just a disguised way of taking property rights away from people, property rights that they already own. Yeah, I mean, this is it's, and the same goes even uh, for patents because I think what's interesting is like you, you, you rattled off Ayn Rand, she's a disaster, she's a great, great novelist, good, you know, good screenwriter. Philosophically, I just can't, it's just, I don't even want to go there. Um, but then Spooner, like you said, great on so much. Missing it, but really, Galambos was just—I mean, it's just absurd because you're, you're mentioning scarcity and kind of the traditional approach to property is the three Ds, right? Defensible, divisible, uh, and, uh, and divisible. That doesn't really—I mean, you know, for intellectual property, it's almost impossible to defend. This is the thing that's so hard about you know these Kim.coms and the file sharing. I mean, it's illegal. But people are still doing it even to this day after the uh, yeah. the evil example they made of uh, Kim.com. Well, and that's a sign of what's unnatural about this attempt to 
put property rights onto things that are not naturally property. And in fact, I mean, look, I'm a patent attorney. I'm a copyright lawyer. I'm a longtime libertarian. I understand what the law says and what it tries to do. But as, a, as, a, as really a matter of fact, it is literally impossible to have a property right in an idea. And the law knows this. So what the law does is the law says, you know, if someone uses an idea in the wrong way with their own property, then they owe you money. So really all it amounts to is a way of assigning property rights in people's money. So it's just a way of taking people's money away with an excuse. So it says if you perform prohibited actions with your own property, then someone else gets to come to the government courts and take some of your money away from you. Now, I've seen some of the ways people try to wiggle around this uh, by turning IP law into contract law. You know what I'm talking about, where it's like, well, okay, then I'm going to have you sign a contract to read my book, and that says you can't reproduce it. or Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's also – that's almost impossible to stop the leakage, right? Because, I mean, you could tell some – I guess you could create some sort of contract, but then who the heck's going to sign it? Yeah, so, so yeah, well, that's exactly the problem. You, you put your uh, your finger right on it. The, the pro- so, so what people will say is they'll say, well, intellectual property law, which is patent and copyright law enforced by the government – Hey, remember that. This is a legislated scheme that's artificial and narrow, and it is based upon the Statute of Monopolies, 1623, and the Statute of Anne of 1710. Okay, they, they literally called this a monopoly when they first started this back in England in the, in the 1600s. Um, so basically what you're saying is I can justify a government grant of monopoly privilege because – I can imagine that people could come up with a contract. Um, now, what does this remind you of? It re- reminds me of the social contract idea, the idea that the government is legitimate right. because we all entered this social contract, even though no one actually signed a, a social contract. Well, it's the same thing with patent and copyright. You know, the, what they say is you can have a law that binds everyone in society because people theoretically could enter into a contract even though no one actually did enter into a contract. And even if they did enter into a contract, it would only bind the parties to that contract. And even if that happened, you can imagine what would happen is people wouldn't enter into these contracts because they would be fools to do so because they could just go pirate the information without being bound by these ridiculous considerations. I mean, my friend Jeff Tucker has an example. Imagine two people selling potatoes, and one guy says, Here's a potato for a dollar a pound, okay? And you can use it for whatever you want. You make potato pancakes, you make latkes, you can make uh, dumplings, whatever you want to do with french fries, whatever. And another guy says, I'm selling you potatoes, but you have to agree that you will only use them to make french fries. And if you use these potatoes for anything else, then you will have to pay me a million dollars damages, okay? (laughs) That is basically the idea behind this contract theory of IP, that you will sell someone a software program or a recording of a, of a, of a music, a musical song, or an invention, like a, a potato peeler or a mousetrap, and the guy that buys it is going to pay you $5 and also agree to be liable for millions of dollars of damage if he uses it in a way that the seller doesn't like. This idea is so ludicrous um, that it's not even addressing, really. But even if it worked, it would not bind third parties who didn't sign this stupid contract. But but to so be would, fair, I mean, to be fair, this is kind of one of those examples, again, where uh, it's like Lysander Spooner, because 
you know, I mean, an incredible, gigantic intellect like Murray Rothbard actually kind of couldn't get his head around this fact and tried to s- circumnavigate the the patents and the copyrights by doing this contract business, right? Yeah, but, but Rothbard, like even Ayn Rand, I would say. I mean, there are aspects of Rothbard's thought. I mean, in fact, the, the, the vast bulk of Rothbard's thought is against intellectual property. Rothbard's got a great chapter in his Ethics of Liberty, which explains why you cannot have a property right in knowledge. It's called knowledge, true and false. And he argues against defamation law, which is, to me, to my mind, is just another type of intellectual property law. It's got the same arguments for it. Because it's, uh, because it's reputation. Somehow yeah, the, you own idea, your reputation or something. Yeah, the idea behind reputation rights or defamation law is that you, you, you put labor or value into acquiring or creating something of value, like your reputation, which you have a property right in. That's the randing argument for reputation rights. That's also the, the Randian or the standard argument for patent and copyright or uh, property rights in inventions and in artistic works. And Rothbard argues quite forcefully against the property right and reputation rights because he says to have a property right and a reputation means you have to be able to control the contents of other people's minds because the reputation is just what other people think about you. But the same thing is true about the value of you know, artistic works and inventions. And even Ayn Rand admitted that you don't really ever metaphysically create anything new. That is, you only rearrange matter in a certain way, uh, and you make it more valuable when you do that. But that doesn't create something new that you own. You only cre- you only own what you homestead or acquire by contract. Well, this, now, see, these, this goes go back to – and I'm sorry to interrupt, but this goes exactly sure. back to what I was talking earlier that I that actually – finally got me off my butt to, to message you to hopefully break, to get you on my show like this. And that was, I saw this post on your Facebook about <clears throat> this Lockean theory of value, which is what we're talking about, that you can mix up stuff, but just throwing yourself in the mix doesn't mean you own anything. Right, and I'm actually giving a speech on this on this Saturday at the Liberty in the Pines event uh, here in Texas at the, uh, at the uh, Stephen F. Austin University event up in Nagadoches. Um, I think John, I mean, look, John Locke was I think the Lockean idea is sound, but the way he argued for it was this weird metaphorical way of saying that um, human beings own their their selves, which I think is kind of an unclear statement in the first place because no one really knows what your self is, or people have different conceptions of that. I think a more rigorous way of saying it is we, we have a property right in our body. A body is a concrete, scarce resource, and not many people would disagree that every person should have a property right in their body. So Locke says you own yourself instead of saying you own your body, which is what he should have said. And then he said, and therefore you own the labor that you perform with your body, which honestly I don't think anyone knows what that means. Uh, yeah, that's, like, that's labor, like owning your digestion. Like what? how do you do that? Right. No, exactly, or owning your memories or owning your thoughts or <laughs> owning your actions. And then he says, so if you mix your labor, which is kind of some kind of weird substance that, that you own, you mix it with unknown things in the world, it's sort of inextricably bound up with it, and so no one else has a better claim to it than you, and that's the reason why we own unowned resources that you mix your labor with. Now, I think he was correct about who is the owner of unowned resources, but the reason he gave was wrong. It's not because you own your labor. We don't own our labor, but if you believe you own your labor, and if you think that's an essential part of the argument, then it leads to this mistake of intellectual property because then you start saying, well, if I own anything that I create, 
And what else? What else do I own? So, right? so, so, so then you, you so then you kind of went to what is a real criteria. And you mentioned homesteading. Uh, that, that there are ways to really establish that you own XYZ. You can argue ownership. Yes. In fact, I think that the, the central mistake might be the word property. In other words, a property is just an aspect of a thing, a way of defining a thing, a property of a thing, correct? Yeah, it's very so, Aristotelian, like an essence or something. Right. So, so if I have some kind of property right in a resource out in the world that, that I have the legally recognized ability to control this thing that helps me acquire my ends or I can consider as part of my estate, it's a property of me. But then people start calling it property. It's a property. It's a property right or it's a property thing. I think the better way to think about it is I have a property right in certain things in the world. Now, what are those things? Those things are the, are the things that otherwise people might fight over, that have rivalry over or have scarce, you know, scarcity or conflict over. In other words, the question is always in the world when we identify a scarce resource, a thing, that people could have conflict over or clashes over. All, the question is always, who is the rightful owner of this thing? Who is the rightful controller of this thing? It's not whether it's property. The question is, who has a property right in it? So then the question is always, when we identify a given scarce resource in the world, who has the ownership of it? And the libertarian answer is that it's the person with a better claim to it. And that answer is, whoever first owned it or whoever acquired it by a contract from a previous owner. It's really very simple. So whoever homesteaded it or whoever, uh, through a voluntary engagement, took ownership of it. Yes, and that pretty much exhausts the, the universe of answers to the question, who owns this thing? Uh, now, there's some exceptions. For example, you know, who owns your body or who owns your car or who owns your gold or your money? Normally, it would be the person who homesteaded it or who acquired it by contract, but an exception would be, you know, unless you committed a tort or a crime or an offense against someone else and you owe them damages. So, you know, if I own a million dollars of gold and I, I commit a horrible crime against you, by committing that action, now I have transferred ownership of those resources or some of them to you. Going, going either into criminal or then tort law from... Exactly. Okay. So you basically always have a rule rooted in the non-aggression principle and in property rights that can always specify for any given resource in the world who owns it. But that's always the question for libertarians is who owns this resource, who is the owner or the controller of this resource. The question is not what is property. The question is who has a property right in who has, this who has a claim? Resource. Who has a, a proper claim to it? Yeah. Now, now hold, ideas, hold on just one second. I hate to interrupt, sure. but I, I've got sure. a caller, and I want to squeeze him in. Are you okay taking calls? Absolutely. Okay, hold on just a second. Caller, you're on the air. You've got Stephen Kinsella. What's your name? Hey, yeah, this is Zach. Hey, Zach. What's up, man? Hey, I just had a, a question. When, do, when would, like, say, eminent domain, like, say, if you, you had a cure for cancer or you had X amount of gold and we were in a, a huge recession and the government didn't have enough funds or... Or when when does the the greater good overshadow the the property rights of the individual, and and uh, when could they come in and say like take my land if it's for for the purpose of making a, a bunker against the Chinese bombing us or or whatever it might be when when would that uh, have any trump or or is that truly should that be allowed through the Constitution or in our in our lands uh, right now? 
okay. Well, a few, a few comments. First of all, I mean, I'm a, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I'm an anarchist, so I think the government is inherently a criminal organization. Um, yeah, so you're – I mean, to be fair, you're not even looking to the Constitution to define anything. That's why eminent domain is just – I could see yeah. where you're going, and I want to give you that space. But for you, it's like that's not much of a, a, a cause. No, no. But I mean, there's different fallback arguments. So, so the constitu- uh, uh, So I would say the Constitution is inherently an illegitimate document, which basically authorizes or puts a cover over the criminal activities of the central state. So it's not even a good thing. Uh, but and, and by the way, Ayn Rand, who was a big fan of the United States and um, and the Constitution because of, of the Russian. And she came from. Not only did she favor intellectual property law. I'll listen probably, up here. We got to go. Thanks, guys. Okay, Zach. Yeah, keep, uh, you know, and actually, uh, Stephen, these commercials come and go as they please. I think Zach is at work trying to call her or something like that, so he probably had his had to run. Yeah, I know he's listening. Can we carry this over? I want to talk about. You know what that means, especially the role of the Constitution. I'm very open to the anarchist uh, arguments, and I want to kind of go into that a bit. Are, are you okay with that? Oh, okay, hold on just a sec, guys. We'll be back uh, right after this. 801-254-5855. Hi, I'm Dr. Sumikowski with Action Health Centers in Sandy, Utah. We specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, which are placed painlessly under the skin and are biologically identical to what your body already produces. As you age, both men and women's hormones steadily decline. It can lead to such things as decreased energy, mood problems, decreased libido, and problems losing fat and building muscle. We can restore vitality and make you feel much younger. Take action for your health by calling 801-417-9803 or visit actionhealthcenters.com. Credit challenges, late pays, short sale, foreclosure, bankruptcy. If you have experienced any of these symptoms, we can help. The credit doctors are having a free credit checkup Wednesday, March 20th at 7 p.m. at the Salt Lake Community Campus. Call 877-643-7283 for details. That number again is 877-643-7283. What you don't know may hurt you. Even those with good credit, we can teach what you need to know to improve and keep your credit scores high. You don't want to miss this free credit checkup educational opportunity. We have even helped those with no credit to build credit so they can get auto loans, get a home loan without mom and dad co-signing. We have helped hundreds of people improve their credit scores. Call now, 877-643-7283. That number again is 877-643-7283. Don't miss this credit checkup event. That number again is 877-643-7283. Listen, if you're considering buying hardwood flooring, don't do anything until you've written down this number and received your free Lumber Liquidators catalog. The flooring was high quality with an unbeatable price tag. Call in the next 10 minutes to get your free catalog. What I bought at Lumber Liquidators is a vastly higher quality than flooring I had installed six years ago and for a fraction of the cost. So if you want great hardwood flooring at unbeatable prices, trust Lumber Liquidators. We buy direct from the mills. Call right now to get our flooring guide and catalog absolutely free. It's filled with top quality hardwood flooring, including solid hardwoods, laminates, and bamboos, and even Bella Wood prefinished flooring with a 100-year transferable warranty. The same floor Bob Vila has in his home. This free catalog is full of tips, ideas, and our flooring project list to make your buying decisions easy. Hurry, call right now to get a copy of this free guide and catalog. Call 800-832-0219 to get your free copy now. 800-832-0219. 
right, guys, we are back. Jake Shannon Radio Show. Stoked to have uh, Stephen Kinsella. Uh, he is an attorney, uh, works in Patton, why not also affiliated with the uh, Mises Institute, but he does a lot, uh, you know, of writing and advocating for this position against intellectual property. What is wrong with it, and, you know, what are the alternatives? Uh, before the break, we were uh, we were talking. Zach called in. I think he got uh, pulled away. His boss must have been coming or something. Uh, are you there with us, Stephen, still? I'm here. Okay, great. So... Before the break, you know, he was kind of coming maybe from more of that uh, small government Republican kind of angle about, you know, well, okay, property rights, but what about eminent domain? And you were kind of going into that, uh, telling, uh, explaining this position as, uh, you know, how how property rights might work in an anarchist situation, and then kind of talking a little bit about things like Ayn Rand and how that's related. Yeah, and look, you don't have to be an anarchist like me, a crazy guy, to, to be opposed to IP. Uh, what I was trying to say is that if you had this constitutional mentality like Ayn Rand did, even Ayn Rand originally thought eminent domain was legitimate because it's in the Constitution, in the Fifth Amendment. It says that you know property can be taken for just compensation. She changed her mind later, but she had this initial sort of presumption that everything in the Constitution was legitimate. Uh, but she did not give up her idea that the copyright and the patent clause of the Constitution meant that patent and copyright were, were justified. And I think that was her mistake. Now, now, let me give you even a constitutional Ron Paul-type argument against patent and copyright. Number one, the patent and the copyright clause specified that the purpose of this power granted to Congress to grant these temporary limited monopolies is to promote the progress of science and the arts. And science in those days meant uh, the creative arts, like the knowledge of arts, you know, writings and things like that, and the arts, the practical arts, which means inventions. Um, but in the 200-plus years since the Constitution was enacted, there has never been any clear study that has proved that these laws can or do promote the progress. And in fact, they apparently retard and distort the progress of the arts and the sciences. So, number one, you could argue that patent and copyright law are unconstitutional because they do not promote the progress of the arts and the sciences. Number two, there is widespread recognition by even the courts, the federal courts, that there's a conflict between copyright and even patent law and the First Amendment and freedom of expression and freedom of the press because copyright law prevents you from publishing some books. In fact, in the name of copyright law, Courts have ordered books not to be printed or to be burned or movies, um, like uh, like the sequel to Catcher in the Rye, for example, or things like this. And there's a conflict with that in the First Amendment. However, the First Amendment was enacted in 1791 when the Bill of Rights was ratified. But the Constitution and the Patent Clause and the Copyright Clause was ratified in 1789. What that means is that the Bill of Rights after the co- copyright clause. Okay, so what this means is that if there's a conflict between freedom of expression and freedom of the press and the copyright law, then the later law governs, which was the First Amendment. That's another argument against it. And yet another argument against the copyright law is that the original copyright clause only talks about Congress having the power to secure to authors a property right in their writings. It says the word writings. Now, that wouldn't cover paintings, it would not cover software, it would not cover movies, and it wouldn't cover musical recordings. So you could argue that 
almost all of the modern copyright law is completely unconstitutional because it is not covered by the copyright law. Um, well, and, and almost so. that art, that example he gave about let's say there's a cure for cancer, AIDS, or some whatever, uh, and it's it, that's actually the constitutional argument of eminent domain is a socialist argument, and so far as it's a redistribution scheme, right? Because if there weren't intellectual property like that, you would need government to come in to redistribute this idea for the greater good of all, because it'd be open source. That that cure for cancer, anybody would be able to replicate it. I mean, is yeah, that I right? Think what, 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 yeah, what he's getting at is that there's an idea of what's called a compulsory license, which is the idea that if the government is going to be granting these monopoly privilege grants, like an exclusive right to manufacture a cure for anthrax or something, that then the government can come in and bust that monopoly they grant because they are the, they're the ones who granted it after all. In fact, under the patent statute, the federal government has the ability to just uh, bust your license, bust your patent by granting a license to manufacture to other people, and then they can pay you sort of like a damage payment, which is sort of like the takings clause or the eminent domain clause of the Constitution. And, of course, everyone freaks out about that, but all this is is the government saying, we're granting you a monopoly, and now we're going to say if you don't license it on reasonable terms to other people, we might take that monopoly away from you. And people that promote IP say that this is a taking of private property. But, of course, it's not a taking of private property to take back a monopoly grant of privilege that you shouldn't have been granted in the first place. So, you know, here's the the classic question uh, for those that I tend to be very, very uh, close to anarchist. I don't really consider myself minarchist, again, hearkening back to uh, SEK3. I'm kind of that weird transition state that Nozick talked about, the ultra- minimal statist you know like i right. just because yep. i think the natural mergers and and acquisitions are going to happen and then you'll have these weird imbalances of power but okay anyway that aside you know here's the challenge that i always find that i'm trying to present and i'm curious how you present it getting from point a to point b especially given the fact that the property law the intellectual property law allows for a bit of a concentration of power and it's it's lopsided they have much more capital in order to uh, promote the ideas, to defend it, to vilify those who are, uh, you know, like yourself or myself, uh, open to this idea, this open source idea. You know, what is the strategy? I mean, we're talking philosophy and defining things, and that's great. But then what is the actual connecting the dots from A to B, you know? Well, it's difficult. We have to open people's ideas to the fact that they've been bamboozled by the state. So in other words, um, look, Take something like minimum wage or pro-union legislation. The average person believes that the minimum wage laws and the pro-union laws have been done for the benefit of the small guy, and they believe this myth. And it's a complete myth because you'll see companies like Walmart and Costco coming out in favor of increasing the minimum wage. Now, why do they do this? They do this because they're already paying above the minimum wage, and so an increase in the minimum wage will not hurt them but it will hurt their smaller competitors who are trying to get a toehold to compete with these big companies. So you have all these laws that everyone, all the big business, you know, it's like it's like we're wrapping the briar patch. They're like, please don't throw me in the briar patch. They really love these big regulatory schemes because they can afford to pay the small cost, and it hobbles their competitors and smaller upstarts relatively more. So all these laws, which appear on the surface to be, you know, big business, or, or sorry, um, you know, anti anti companies really 
help help the big businesses. So the big businesses complain about it, like with with a crocodile tear, but it really helps them. It's the same thing with patent and copyright law. You'll have people say, what about the small inventor? Or what about the independent artist? Well, the independent novelist or artist usually doesn't make very much money. And in fact, they have to sell their soul to the big media companies and the, the intermediaries, right, the big publishing companies that have arisen because of copyright and patent law and dominated the whole industry. So they basically don't make much money. And then what about the small inventor? The small inventor has almost no ability to compete against the bigger companies. So take the smartphone wars right now. You have Samsung and Apple and Motorola and Google fighting with, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars of legal battles against each other because of their their tens of thousands of patents. Now, they can afford to sue each other and fight it out, and, and then maybe one of them will reign standing, or maybe they'll just settle with each other and come up with some kind of licensing deal, and they'll, they'll keep going on, and whoever loses relatively will pass the cost on to the consumers, and they don't really care because what they do is they're establishing an oligopoly with a small number of players can afford to compete, and every small innovative company that would compete cannot even hope to compete with them because they don't have a big mountain of patents and a big mountain of cash to fight these multi-million dollar patent battles. So basically, they lock out competitors. So the idea that the patent system is for the benefit of the small inventor or the small innovative company is a complete myth foisted on us by the pro-patent, by the big business interest. So so really, I mean, the strategy is like so much of uh, you know, pacifism or or anarchism or whatever particular uh, brand is about education. It's about opening these arguments, having a discussion where you know they deserve to be deflated. Is that I mean, yeah. short, but it's patience, I mean, right? It's, this is we're looking at this like these people, uh, kind of the people who favor this idea, are kind of the Galileos, where you can't really get much traction. Maybe after you're dead or something, the idea will, will take hold. Yeah, and I think part of that is. Uh, is, is not going with the, the terminology of, of, the, of the propagandists. Don't use the word property, property rights, to refer to a government grant of monopoly privilege. Stop mm-hmm. calling it part of the free market process that people get go to the government and petition the government to get these anti-competitive monopoly grants. This is not part of the free market. And, you know, look, don't, don't take the challenge that, look, if you're against patent and copyright, you're against innovation. That's complete nonsense. In no, fact, it's I, the other way around. I like right? that because that kind of jives. You know, everybody's got their huge libertarian influences. For me, it was Thomas Zaz, and he has this great quote I put on the on the radio show website that uh, the battle for the world is the battle for definitions, and language uh, is anarchic. I mean, or anarchistic. You know, it's like it's there is no it's how it's adopted. It's like a contract between two people. The meaning of any one word. And that is kind of a critical mass. We do need to get these people behind as many, a critical mass so people can opt out of that, uh, again, the language, you know, that Stockholm syndrome of, of the property trolls. Yeah, language is power. Look, I don't, I don't blame people for using IP law in today's world any more than I blame people for driving on the roads or right. you know, getting welfare if they have to, if they're made unemployed by the government. Uh, but listen, you cannot delude yourself and don't buy into their – terminology. It, this is not a property right. This is not part of the free market. And the more honest ones will admit it. They'll say that, look, we can't have unbridled competition. And I'm saying, like, 
Well, wait a second. That means you want bridal. You want a bridal competition. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're yeah. in favor of bridling, you're not in favor of the free market. Yeah, I love it. I mean, this is we have to have that presence. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of running out of time here, Stephen. I wanted people, if they're interested in this, you know, to check you out. I know you're all over the Web. They type in Kinsella and IP and boy, you're everywhere. But what about like, do you have a blog or, you know, you mentioned a podcast to me offline. Yeah, I blog at um, uh, a couple of places, uh, Liber- Libertarian Standard, okay. on just standard libertarian issues, libertarianstandard.com. Uh, and I also blog on IP and technology issues at C4SIF, Center for the Study of Innovative Freedom, C4SIF.org. And I have a podcast, which is Consella on Liberty, and it's at my website. If you just Google it, you'll find it. Okay, that's K-I-N-S-E-A-A, or double-L-A, Kinsella. Yes, yeah, that's correct. And it's at StephanKinsella.com. Okay, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, to not only you know help me get my head wrapped around it, but also you know my listeners and whatnot, because I think this is the best that we can do, and hopefully we can get that critical mass, and we don't all have to be dead and hope it's our grandkids that benefit. Maybe we can actually see uh, liberty in this respect in our lifetime. I agree. We got to fight SOPA, fight the Trans-Pacific Partnership, fight ACTA, fight these kinds of things, and hopefully we can have some uh, some victories in the meantime. Brilliant. Hey, I really appreciate your time, uh, Stephen. And guys, check him out. Uh, again, if you just type it in Google, he's literally everywhere. And his Facebook, you're on Facebook as well, right? Yeah, Stephen Kinsella at Facebook. Okay, great. Hey, thank you, sir. Thanks, Jake. Okay, have a great one. Uh, guys, how fantastic was that? Uh, I, I really can't tell you. He's really doing, he's really thinking uh, sharply. I don't agree with anybody. I don't know exactly where I disagree with him. Uh, I, he said he's, you know, anarchist. I'm kind of this ultra minarchist. I don't know, whatever. Who cares? He's he convinced me. I was not. I was kind of on the fence about it, and uh, reading his stuff really set me firmly against intellectual property. Makes a lot of sense to me. All right, guys, come on back after the break. This is the long break. Patronize our sponsors. They keep the lights on over here. Am six thirty K Talk, Jake Shannon Radio Show. Come on back. It's expensive to maintain a house today, isn't it? And especially in today's world. And the price of carpeting is no exception. This is why we started $3 Carpet. If you're looking for carpet but do not want to spend a fortune and want a medium-grade carpet, please call us. We specialize in a medium-grade, low-pile, solid-color carpet for only $3 per yard, which would normally sell anywhere from $10 to $15. This is two-day carpet, our specialty. It's been used only two days, has not been stretched, so it's basically brand new. It's only $3 per yard. It looks and feels brand new. Our warehouse is in West Jordan. Come see our huge inventory and call us. 888-968-1913. That's 888-968-1913. Our customers love their carpet, and you will too. Call 888-968-1913 or go to $3carpet.com. Call now. 888-968-1913. Thank you. 
Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. You know, the other day I was visiting one of our stores, and I love to pop in and just chat with happy customers. I saw this couple with a huge, massive, giant grin on their faces. They were getting their third PC Laptops computer. They've been PC Laptops customers for almost 20 years. They told me the reason they keep coming back is because they love our lifetime service guarantee. They feel like they can ask any question, and we take the time to be patient and explain everything, no matter what the question is. The best part was they gave me a big, giant hug. And I love giant hugs. Just visit us at any one of our locations and say, show me the love. And you get an extra $100 off any new PC, laptops, desktop, or laptop computer. That's right. Just say, show me the love. And you get an extra $100 off. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. At PC Laptops, we really love you. See store for details. You're listening to Utah's first number one talk station. K-Talk AM 630 KTKK Sandy Salt Lake City. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. NBC News Radio, I'm Pete Williams. It's been a day of bomb attacks throughout Iraq today on this 10th anniversary of the U.S.-led invasion. State Department spokeswoman Victoria Newland says at least 65 people were killed in suicide and car bombings. The United States strongly condemns the terrorist attacks today that targeted innocent men, women, and children throughout Iraq. This kind of senseless violence such as this tears at the fabric of Iraqi unity. In Nevada, seven Marines were killed and eight more hurt when a mortar exploded during a training exercise overnight. The Pentagon has stopped the use of those mortars until an investigation determines whether it's safe to use them and whether training procedures need to be changed. A teenager who shot and killed three students at a high school outside Cleveland last year has been sentenced to three life sentences. T.J. Lane unbuttoned his shirt in court to show a T-shirt underneath that read, Killer. This is NBC News Radio. Some 200,000 people attended today's formal installation ceremony for Pope Francis at the Vatican. NBC's Claudio Lavagna says the Pope reached out to people in the crowd in a special way before the ceremony, riding around St. Peter's Square in his open-topped car. The mustaching moment there was when he stopped, he got off the car, uh, something rarely seen, and he walked to a disabled man and he blessed him and he touched him. And uh, that was a very touching moment that shows you how this is a man who wants to be, and he said it before, the Pope of the weak, of the elderly, uh, of the sick, uh, of the people mostly in need. And the U.S. Supreme Court has sided with a graduate student from Thailand who sold cheap foreign versions of textbooks in the U.S. on eBay without the publisher's permission. The ruling means it's okay to continue selling foreign-made copyrighted goods online and in discount stores. A ruling the other way would have been a big blow to used bookstores. I'm Pete Williams, NBC News Radio. After I turned 40, my body started changing. I didn't feel as attractive as I used to. I started experiencing hot flashes, but the weight gain, that was the worst, especially the belly fat. I started taking Amberin, and I finally lost the weight. It was so easy. I feel as beautiful today at 50 as I did when I was 30. Thank goodness for Amberin. It rebalances your hormones naturally, which relieves the symptoms of hormonal imbalance in menopause, like weight gain, hot flashes, fatigue, low libido, and more. Amberin is the advanced all-natural formula, clinically shown to cause weight loss in women over 40, with no big change in lifestyle required. Amberin definitely made me feel energetic and sexy again. 
For a limited time, you can try Amberin risk-free and get a 30-day supply free. Free supplies are limited, so be one of the first callers right now at 1-800-564-8779. That's 1-800-564-8779. 1-800-564-8779. This is Charles Osgood. One challenge that businesses have to face every day is the U-word, uncertainty. And that uncertainty comes in many ways. But you can't afford to be uncertain about your office space, and that is why a Regis office makes sense for your business, like the one I visited in New York City. Your fully furnished wired office is ready when you need it at a prestigious address with world-class amenities and no long-term lease. Get a receptionist to answer your phones and greet your clients, access to meeting rooms and state-of-the-art video conferencing studios, and IT pros to solve your tech problems. See how much money you can save with a custom workspace solution for your business at Regis. Find a Regis location near you, and as you go along, choose from over 1,500 locations in 600 cities and 100 countries. Get started now with two months free. Just go to regus.com slash Osgood. That's regus.com slash Osgood. Or call 1-800-OFFICES and tell them Osgood sent you. That's 1-800-OFFICES. It's expensive to maintain a house today, isn't it? And especially in today's world. And the price of carpeting is no exception. This is why we started $3 Carpet. If you're looking for carpet but do not want to spend a fortune and want a medium-grade carpet, please call us. We specialize in a medium-grade, low-pile, solid-color carpet for only $3 per yard, which would normally sell anywhere from $10 to $15. This is two-day carpet, our specialty. It's been used only two days, has not been stretched, so it's basically brand new. It's only $3 per yard. It looks and feels brand new. Our warehouse is in West Jordan. Come see our huge inventory and call us. 888-968-1913. That's 888-968-1913. Our customers love their carpet, and you will too. Call 888-968-1913 or go to $3carpet.com. Call now. 888-968-1913. Thank you. Are you currently in a jumbo loan over 5%? Finally, there's a lender looking for you. Guys, it's Steve Saxton with Christian Roberts Mortgage. Look, you pay your bills, you have equity, your income is excellent, and your credit score is high. Effective immediately, we can lend on jumbo loan amounts at incredible interest rates. I guarantee you, you've never seen this loan product. Call me right now, 801-5-0936. Give me two minutes of your time. 801-255-0936. Be prepared for whatever disaster comes. Eden Valley Farms provides your family's food storage needs with the highest quality premium grade A ingredients in food storage products. Eden Valley Farms has no trans fat, no MSG, no silicon dioxide, and no oils. Meals are packaged in lightweight Mylar bags that are nitrogen flush sealed for 25 years freshness. Great for hunting and camping trips too. For premium grade A long life foods, call today. 801-668-7272. That's 668-7272. Or order on online edenvalleyfood.com mention this ad for wholesale prices he watches 60 minutes in under 10 the term libertainment was invented to describe his activities to the authorities death and taxes are both certain of him and jake is a person that i've often said is the most interesting man in the liberty movement he's the libertarian hypnotist jake shannon this is the Jake Shannon Radio Program. All right, guys, we are back. That's me, Jake. Hello. I uh, hope you guys are doing good. Uh, fun first hour with Stephen Kinsella uh, talking about why you should be against intellectual property. 
If you missed it, you missed out. Uh, but you can go to the k-talk.com website, go to show archives, find my name, click on today's show. It should be up about 15, 20 minutes after we're done here today. Now, wanted to touch on a few other things in the news. You know, it's weird. When you really start looking closely at this stuff, for example, intellectual property, these things that rule our lives, it is like going down the rabbit hole. You, the closer you look, the more ridiculous all this stuff uh, kind of becomes. Lots of stuff that I want to get to. Uh, taking your calls, 801-254-5855. As always, the caveat applies. Uh, if the line's busy, call right back. If it's ringing, hang in there. We'll get you on. That's why we're here. So you can have your voice heard. Let's go to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Hey, Jake. This is John. Hey, John. Hey, uh, maybe you can clarify my thinking here. I was, I was listening to him, and I wasn't clear on uh, does it get down to the point that he actually believes we don't own our own labor? What he's saying is that, you know, how do you actually quantify it? Because this is a philosophical argument. The very first person to kind of come to that. This idea that you that what is how do you value something, right? The things well, that you I'm value. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in my labor, my work, your work. You've written books. When you're finished with that, do you own your own labor? Because if you don't own your own labor, then you're a slave. That's not. The, but but see, okay, you're missing the fine point of the argument. He's saying that you have a claim to your own body. Hence, no slavery. Nobody could force you to do anything you don't like. And anything that you create or write or whatever, you have the right to sell it and somebody else to buy it. But the challenge is, is that the real arbiter of value in the market, because to do that, you have to enforce that with the government, for example, right? And it is rather arbitrary. For example, the the patent and the copyright laws change. Like, for example... uh, Walt Disney started really uh, lobbying hard to change it because um, it used to be something like 50 years and then it goes into the public domain and anybody can use it, which is all that this is arguing is that pretty much everything's public domain. And so when you start going down the rabbit hole and looking at this, there are plenty of people. Look at Linux or have you ever heard of the open source software movement? Here's a movement standing in stark opposition to the model of the traditional property right uh, arguments like um, Microsoft or any of these guys, all their stuff is for free, and yet people still pay for it because good luck, you or me, I'm not a computer programmer, I'll need to pay somebody to do that. When they come and uh, do that, it's an exchange, it's a contract. It says, hey, I'm going to do this, you're going to give me that, done. So there's well, no well, slavery. Would well, argument be then, okay, uh, you're a writer, you've written books. Yep. Uh, you own that, and you're entitled to sell it under current you... under current property law, property right law. Yeah. Well, you're entitled. To, okay, you're entitled to your labor, which was your book. It took you years to write. That, but see, the argument is not that. The argument is that now it's a piece of paper, and I could reproduce as many copies as I want. Especially now with the internet, I could I could send out as many PDF versions as I want. To anybody, and there's no scarcity involved there. There's no right, but then, but then where does uh, theft come in? Does theft not exist? Exist? 
No, theft. If you So if you were listening to the argument, he's saying that property claims to ownership or claims to control a certain thing or object come in two ways. One, somebody homesteads it, which you know what that is, right? When you're the first there and you lay claim and, and you, you're able to defend that claim. That's the first way to acquire and own things. And then the second is transferring it through a sale. So if right, you but, own, but if you own, uh, property, if you have like a car that you acquired because you entered into a contract and uh, they, somebody else had built this car, you need a car. You both agree, hey, I want the car more than I want the money. Than I want the money, and they said I want the money more than I want the car. It's a win-win. You both engage in a contract. The transition happens. They've they own the car. Right, but on intellectual property, he seemed to be saying that once that you sell it, then it's in public domain, and they can reproduce it and do with it what they want. Yeah, but it, you can't, for example, with a car, you can't reproduce it. You go ahead and exactly, make a copy of your car. You can't do that, but this is where it gets weird, John. Now we look at this technology that we have, this 3D printing. Have you seen this? Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. This is right. where it really gets weird because in a post-scarcity world, how do we assign value to things, and are we, in fact, being tyrannical and creating these unintended consequences by create? It's, it's no different. For example, I'm against licensing by the state, okay? For example, you know, like, um, like doctors. <laughs> like doctors. Doctors are like the most licensed up the wazoo. You've got to jump through so many hoops. You've got to get your medical boards. and I mean, there's so much state licensing, and here in this country – Medical doctors are the leading cause of death. When you add together what's known as iatrogenesis, which is medical malpractice, infections at hospitals, things of that nature, and adverse drug reactions, they're actually they're, the Hippocratic Oath says do no harm, which I get, and I think most of them want that. But I think the involvement of the state in this licensing creates these distortions, and now and that these numbers are not controversial. Well, well from, let's take three D printing for okay, an example. Okay. You mentioned that example. No, okay, no, wait, I, but wait. Let me just, let me just finish, and then I'll give you the floor. I just want to. You get what I'm saying? So, we've licensed these doctors. Only doctors can perform medicine, and that's not turned out so well. It's created this cartel. This because competition, it, like for example, an iPad, or whatever. A physical object because other people can enter the market android and all these other it makes it cheaper better people are like oh mine has this oh well i'm going to add my product so it has that and could compete but when you add the state and you create this stifling monopoly this state granted monopoly it actually creates the opposite and so so it goes with licensing with a profession it's the intentions sound great i get the intentions and the right, emotional. i hear you but on the flip side, like a licensing agreement with music, the intentions are great. But like you sending an MP3 copy of a Metallica song to your buddy, that's criminal. But yeah. that doesn't make any sense because nobody's really out anything. The guy wasn't going to buy it anyway. You can reproduce it at no cost to anybody. It's just electrons. And that's where we're coming now to the 3D printing. And I'll shut up. I'll give you the floor. But do you get where the vibe? Yeah, I, I hear you because it is a double-edged sword. I understand uh, you know, and uh, and I could see even in printing, I could see because you wouldn't necessarily have to duplicate it. You could just take the book you bought and pass it on to ten other people. Right. So if I actually have a physical copy of a book, well, now with three D printing, now I guess you can make a, a, a almost zero cost copy of that, right? But yeah, with 3D it's a physical. I, I was reading that it got you could reproduce. Uh, I saw uh, some engineers out in uh, uh, California reproduced. 
a rifle. Yeah, man, it's great. Well, I yeah, mean, a rifle, and it actually shot like uh, shot eleven rounds before <laughs> it kind of melted down because it didn't have the metallurgy it needed. Here's the thing, John. All that old IP law and stuff, which was still in contention. I mean, most laws are still argued. You know, that's why we have judges and you know legal opinions and stuff. But it's like this old vestige that maybe we need to shed that cocoon so we can, you know, I hate to be metaphorical, but like a butterfly or, well, you know, what I'm my point is we've crossed the river and now in this post-scarcity world, which we're not there yet, but, you know, maybe we should really consider thinking doesn't apply anymore, you know? And that's what a guy like Stephen Kinsella is trying to do. He's saying if we take the non-aggression principle seriously, this idea – that we can't aggress on anybody who infringes upon our body or our property, then we have to really get into the weeds. What is property? What are the limits of our body? You know, that kind of thing. And that's where he's kind of on the on the leading edge. I used to not be convinced, but reading his stuff, I, I, can't, I it's almost like I can't help but agree because I think the arguments are right. It's counterintuitive, but I think he's right. Well, I think that, uh, you know, he could be. I don't know. Uh, but all I... I do know this. I think this 3D printing is going to redefine the whole industrial revolution because your house can become a machine shop with just uh, the purchase of a 3D printer. I mean, it's crazy. They're talking about 3D printing like organs eventually. They already have. They've reproduced, uh, like I was reading this article, they've already reproduced uh, Kidneys and livers, you know, they haven't transplanted them yet, but they've reproduced them. I mean, but this is those a really crazy. Are really expensive, the ones that can reproduce uh, biological uh, replicas. This is a crazy time to be alive. Uh, it's exciting because, I mean, you're old enough. I'm old enough to remember a time when you wanted to look something up, you went to the library. You don't just go on your cell phone. <laughs> I mean, imagine like 10 years from now when this 3D printing is ubiquitous like the Internet. I mean, we have to make sure that it makes sense because like somebody like this, Kim.com, he's this guy who did all this file sharing, you know, Pirate Bay and whatever. Right. <clears throat> I mean, is, is he being wrongfully held? I mean, these are things we have to contemplate. Who was actually harmed? Well, how about the genius that uh, committed suicide? He's only 27. What was his name? Yeah, Adam uh, or whatever. I know who you're talking about. Right, well, and he's just being hounded because he... Just release, released material on the internet to share some science material with people. And See, John, it was I, from a corporations, and the corporations put so much pressure on the government to hound him that he ended up committing suicide. He was right. a genius, right? And is that right? You know, I mean, it, these, so people's lives, people are being held in prisons, people are dying, and it sounds so trivial, but this is really cutting edge stuff. When you're fully integrated with science and where we're heading as a as a species, man, these are the issues that you have to take serious and really be willing to shed the old ideas if, in fact, they're wrong. I mean, that's the hard part, I think, well, you know what? as a it human could be being. wrong, but yet there could be the genius we were just talking about that's sitting there, and he's got his own uh, printer in his little bedroom, and he's creating things nobody in the history of mankind's ever created before, you know, so it could be a great advancement for mankind, too. I mean, think about it. Like, do you ride a, a bicycle ever? I mean, shouldn't you then pay a licensing fee to the very first person who created a bicycle? And why aren't we all paying a fee to the man who invented the, the wheel or, or sliced bread? This is where it gets weird because 
you know, can you actually own an idea? I think it's almost impossible to defend. That's why, you know, I find this like copyright law stuff a joke, right? You can hand a CD to your buddy of a file of a PDF or a MP3 and nobody will know. And there's yeah, nobody harmed. It's, there's it's nobody it's really be harmed. It's impossible to prosecute. The harm comes they, from... Uh, for, yeah, I can see where copyright laws are going to be outdated. I mean, do you see where... This is, I think, where people are trying to wrap their head around this because it has such huge implications for law because the law is enforced at the end of a gun. And if the law is wrong, you know, the law a lot of times is wrong. And that could ruin lives. And we need to... That's what I think Kinsella is... Besides, obviously, championing this cause of being against intellectual property, but inviting us to challenge our our, par- our paradigm, our preconceived notions. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. I, I hope that helps. I mean, I'm still yeah. struggling to yeah. to wrap yeah. my head around it completely. Once you mentioned those three those uh, three dimensional printers, it made me think where this is going. It's it's huge. Yeah, it is huge. I mean, this is like living in like Star Trek, you know, where they like touch a button and then instead of a microwave heating your food, it actually you, creates you're, it. You're right on, Jake. It's not far from Star Trek. Give it another ten years, and we're gonna probably be alive for it. That's what's so cool. All right, uh, thanks a lot. Buddy. Hey, John, I appreciate the call, my friend. All right, guys, eight zero one two five four fifty eight fifty five is the call in number. I mean, this is what we're doing. This is frontiers of knowledge. We're pushing. Sometimes we're wrong, but sometimes it's a it's a diamond in the rough, guys. And you really need to make sure you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. All right, come on back. You don't want two five four fifty eight fifty five. Tune in on Sundays at 4 p.m. to learn the latest cutting-edge science of health with your hosts, Hugo Rodier, MD, and Gary Olson, D.C., on the Integrative Health Show, sponsored by Pioneer Comprehensive Medical Clinic in Draper. Our country is suffering from poor health due to nutritional, environmental, and stress problems. Learn how to address these problems and not rely on symptomatic treatments that often have too many side effects. The Integrative Health Show, Sundays at 4 p.m. on KTOC AM 630. Credit challenges, late pays, short sale, foreclosure, bankruptcy. If you have experienced any of these symptoms, we can help. The credit doctors are having a free credit checkup Wednesday, March 20th at 7 p.m. at the Salt Lake Community College Sandy Campus. Call 877-643-7283 for details. That number again is 877-643-7283. What you don't know may hurt you. Even those with good credit, we can teach what you need to know to improve and keep your credit scores high. You don't want to miss this free credit checkup educational opportunity. We have even helped those with no credit to build credit so they can get auto loans, get a home loan without mom and dad co-signing. We have helped hundreds of people improve their credit scores. Call now, 877-643-7283. That number again is 877-643-7283. Don't miss this credit checkup event. That number again is 877-643-7283. Meet Jerry D. Hi. Jerry and his family, like you, are very concerned about world conditions and have gathered many emergency preparedness items, including turtle tough shelters. We have added two 24-foot turtle tufts to our supplies and feel very secure knowing our large family is ready for whatever the future may bring. 
Turtle Tough Shelters are not tents. They are permanent yet portable four-season geodesic frame shelters that are as strong as a cabin at a fraction of the cost and are easy to set up, take down, and move anywhere. Available in two sizes. Get your Turtle Tough Shelter and accessories included at TurtleToughShelters.com. That's Turtle, T-U-F-F, Shelters.com. Or call 801-623-3288. That's 801-623-3288. Or see them online at TurtleToughShelters.com. Turtle Tough Shelters, your all-season home away from home. All right, guys, we're back. Jake Shannon Radio Show, talking a whole host of things, kind of talking about really kind of the fundamental underpinnings as to the Western legal tradition, really. What is property? Uh, had legal scholar, uh, attorney Stephen Kinsella, who is anarchist, but a propertarian. He believes in property, um, property rights, but how do you do that in that kind of situation? How do you define Property rights. Very interesting discussion. If you want to go listen to it, go to the K Talk archives, k-talk.com. Show archives is the button at the top. Scroll down, find my name, find today's show. It should be up about a half hour after the show. Uh, but I mean, it's so funny because we have no problem debating the law day in day out. For example, this one's a no-brainer. Fox News, in fact, shockingly, actually reporting something. Uh, judge rules secret FBI national security letters are unconstitutional. A federal judge has struck down a set of laws allowing the FBI to issue so-called national security letters to banks, phone companies, and other businesses demanding customer information. U.S. District Judge Susan Ilston said the laws violate the First Amendment and the separation of powers principles and ordering the government to, to stop the secretive letters or enforcing their gag orders. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported the the FBI almost always bars recipients of the letters from disclosing to anyone, including customers, that they have even received the demands, Ilston said in the ruling uh, released Friday. The government has failed to show that letters and the blanket non-disclosure policy, quote, serve the compelling need of national security, and the gag order creates, quote, too large a danger that speech is being unnecessarily restricted, the San Francisco-based Ilston wrote. This is interesting because I would think it would be a, a Fourth Amendment argument. Uh, about privacy, but she took a different route. Uh, a Department of Justice spokesman told the journal the department was reviewing the order. Uh, FBI counterterrorism agents began issuing the letters which don't require a judge's approval. After Congress passed the USA Patriot Act in wake of uh, 9-11 attacks, the case arises from a lawsuit that uh, lawyers with the EFF, by the way, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. That's who they are. These guys are awesome. I was fortunate to meet one of their founders in the late 90s, John Gilmore, when I lived in San Francisco. He actually lived across the street from me. Uh, uh, anyway, the EFF uh, filed the, this lawsuit in 2011 on behalf of an unnamed tele telecom company that received an FBI demand for customer information. I'd actually like to know who that is because I'd like to buy some stock or whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, quote, we are very pleased that the court recognized constitutional shortcomings of the NSL statute. EFF lawyer Matt Zimmerman said, quote, the government's gags have truncated the public debate on these controversial surveillance tools. Our client, our client looks forward to the day when it can publicly discuss its experience. 
Anyway, no problem debating the law there, but somehow when we really get to the fundamentals, this is why I consider myself pro-market, free market, uh, uh, unwaveringly so, and anti-corporate. But it's because I do not believe, as Adam Smith, when they were called joint stock corporations, he was critical of joint stock corporations, which are similar to our C-Corp and S-Corp today, and this idea of uh, limiting liability, the separation, this moral hazard creating between separating ownership and management. That's why I favor organizations uh, like a partnership. That, I think, is a better way to have a free market because uh, then you have the proper incentives. There isn't a separation between ownership and management. There's these things that matter. But that's like looking at this property rights issue. Do you, is there actually something magical that happens that gives an idea property? Well, an idea is a concept as opposed to a physical thing. And the problem is, is I can defend physical property. I can set up a fence. I can have guards or dogs or whatever guard it. If somebody makes a claim, I can go to an arbitrator and, and argue, and the third party hopefully can uh, make a judgment. But an idea? And I'm telling you, I'm an entrepreneur. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Totally direct and from my experience. For example, uh, I created a fitness tool called the Mace Bell. You can go type it into to your search engine. You'll see thousands of report uh, returns. Mace Bell, M-A-C-E-B-E-L-L. One word, Mace, M-A-C-E, and then Bell, B-E-L-L. It's a workout uh, a piece of equipment. I got the idea when I fused the ideas from an old ancient Hindu uh, wrestling exercise with the Scottish Highland Games of the hammer toss and uh, came up with this implement. And also a bit of a sledgehammer, how those were being worked in workouts. Anyway, came up with the idea. Guess what? I can't stop anybody. I've had so many people rip off. They even use my name, Maysbell. Didn't exist in the lexicon until I came up with it. And what am I going to do? It's flattering. I'm not, I'm not entitled to any money from them. It's just how it is. You go right now, go buy a pack of Stride gum, you'll see my ugly face. They're using my image to sell their pack of gum, and I don't get a dime. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that because it's promoting me. They clearly think that me as a hypnotist will help because that's the picture. It's like a picture of me as a hypnotist. Tropical trance is the flavor of the gum, and they think it will help sell the gum. Fine. That not only promotes me, but it pro promotes your gum. And I've had my that picture used on all kinds of stuff, from software to books, without my consent. Those people who really know me, even if it's used to promote something I don't agree with, those people who really know me will know better. And I will hopefully be able to explain, or they'll be able to explain on my behalf what's going on. I know it's weird and kludgy, but I, I think it works. This show, I don't make a dime. And here I am because it's mutually beneficial. I, you know, the station management likes the fact that I will uh, create content, that people will tune in, that will call in. I like the fact that I can argue these ideas. I can hone these ideas. I can talk to you.
Yes, you listening. My voice vibrating off your eardrum and making you angry or agreeing enough to pick up the phone and call me. Or find to I've changed my mind on many points. So there's mutual benefit. Now, what I liked was he mentioned, you know, you, he doesn't blame people who uh, benefit from IP in the same way as that, you know, I, you know, he he doesn't think that governments should be funding the roads, but he drives on them because it would be impractical. This, the world we live in right now is how it is, and we're trying to change it. Just like, guess what? Slavery 150 years ago is how it was, and now it's not that way. Those people back then probably couldn't even fathom, some of them, in the South particularly, who will pick the cotton without the slaves? Oh my gosh! Because they're so invested in that. Who will build the roads without a government pointing their gun at me? Guess what? There's a solution that does not require guns. Just like there's a solution. Now, people will pick the, the cotton without a whip or a gun or shackles or slavery. It's time we have to radically change these things. And, you know, part of that is getting government further and further removed from our lives and even toying with the concept that we could all be responsible and kind people on our own and responsible enough that we don't have to have people with guns in jail, some alpha male to come in, you know, silverback gorilla and beat everybody up. That we could actually just get along. That is not out of this world. I mean, Steven Pinker, linguist, MIT, uh, all-around genius and polymath, his latest book, the Better Angels of Our Nature shows that there's a trend of less and less violence. That's a possibility. That's because of the fact we're being able to communicate things like the Internet, things of that nature, technology, this 3D printing. The Internet was largely built by people putting up random websites. And look at Wikipedia. Everybody goes to Wikipedia and people knock it. It's one of the greatest resources out there. It's well-sourced. There's no property rights. People are doing it for free. You have to get this. There's other ways for people. You know, people are call. People are upset. Oh, the immigrants will take my job. Oh. Or the robots that are automating my job. Guess what? It's freeing you up, man. To go do something else. Stop being stuck in the past. Just like robots now pick the cotton. <laughs> Instead of slaves. It's a liberating thing. Stop being so scared of your own liberation. That you actually try to keep other people down, like that crab in the bucket pulling down the one trying to get out. It's crazy times. Heck, the government is even admitting. I mean, people who are conspiracy theorists, I'm a consp I'm for conspiracy evidence. Don't bother me with theories. I don't care about aliens in Roswell. You got a body, then let's talk. But when there is a body, yeah, let's not pretend that it's a theory anymore. Let's... Let's deal with what is. Let's deal with what reality is. Here's uh, here's Bill Clinton having to deal with the inevitability of reality, the universe hitting him over the head that he had to admit. Now, what they do is what they... In the intelligence lingo, they call these uh, a limited hangout. They admit to it and then try to spin it. I mean, the, the spin here is is the implication, which he actually doesn't say explicitly, but the implication implicitly implying that Somehow they're not doing this anymore. Anyway, here's uh, Bill Clinton admitting to uh, 
the U.S. government uh, experimenting on U.S. citizens. So you think they really give a crap about shooting you with a drone? They were experimenting on you. They just don't tell you when they're doing it, like now. You think they stopped? Do you really think all the experimentation and stuff, the, the rotten evil things, the Tuskegee experiment, you think they've stopped? It, it really? And, and you're going to call me naive? Conspiracy theorists? Come on. What's this? What's this? Thousands of government-sponsored experiments did take place at hospitals, universities, and military bases around our nation. Some were unethical, not only by today's standards, but by the standards of the time in which they were conducted. They failed both the test of our national values and the test of humanity. The United States of America offers a sincere apology to those of our citizens who were subjected to these experiments, to their families, and to their communities. When they yeah, thanks for that, Bill. That and five bucks will buy you a Starbucks. I mean, come on. <laughs> Doesn't say we'll never do it again. Not even if they did, dude. If you trust anything they say, I mean... I don't know. I don't want to be so crass as to say you deserve it because I don't think you deserve it. I think you need to wake up. It's a world we live right now is upside down. Judges are destroying justice. We have like seven times the number of people in prison for nonviolent things. Not even fraudulent. I'm talking drug possession. Seven times the people than communist China. Judges destroying justice. Government destroying freedom. Doctors destroying health. I talk about this all the time. One of my pet causes, this idea of iatrogenesis. Yeah, you probably never heard of it unless you're a fan of this show. Go look it up. I-A-T-R-O. I was fortunate... The, the woman who did the greatest work on this, uh, Barbara Starfield, rest in peace, I was actually very fortunate to uh, have email correspondences with her before her death. She just died recently, but back when I was writing my anomaly book, <clears throat> investigating this and writing about it, and she's no lightweight. Barbara Starfield, she was uh, with the John Hopkins uh, Medical Hospital. She uh, This article, groundbreaking, in of the American Medical Association, the largest peer-reviewed scientific journal on the planet. America's healthcare system is the third leading cause of death of Americans. That's a fact, dude. And she had conservative numbers. You go with the Institute of Medicine, I think she pegged it at 225,000 Americans every year die from medical error, from uh, what's called death by doctor. These are people, had they not gone to the doctor would actually be alive. They'd be better off with their illness that they went to the doctor in the first place with. Death. A, almost a quarter of a million. Now, the Institute of Medicine puts it 280,000 a year. That's the third. Number one, uh, uh, when you go and look at the Center for Disease Control, look at the uh, census, things of that nature. Number one leading cause of death, cardiovascular disease. This is according to the Journal of the American Medical Association, this uh, article by Barbara Starfield, which has been researched and, and confirmed. It's a peer-reviewed journal. <clears throat> Second would be cancer. Third is doctors. But guess what? If you factor in ADRs, adverse drug reactions, it then becomes the number one leading cause of death of Americans. We passed the Patriot Act. We passed, uh, we have Homeland Security. We bankrupted this country 
in 9-11 when, when uh, 2,000 Americans died. That was a tragedy. But somehow 225,000 every year? That was one time and like 1% of what we have every single year. And again, that's just iatrogenesis, not adverse drug reactions. The world's upside down. It is time for us to reevaluate how we're using guns and jails to affect people's lives. To finally mind our own business. Yeah, you don't have to agree. Somebody could be a weirdo. Fine. If it doesn't affect you directly, your property, where you live, your house, your car, and it doesn't affect you, they're not enslaving you or pointing a gun at you or threatening you, physical harm, immediate, then Pete, for Pete's sake, just mind your own damn business. It's not hard. And here we go. What I was talking to John earlier, like just like you can have a licensing agreement in intellectual property that creates this cartel, anti-competitive, so it goes with occupational licensing. Doctors are licensed... I cannot think of a profession that is more licensed than doctors. Really, I cannot. And that license has done little. In fact, it's the leading cause of death. So what does that tell you about licensing? Not only is it useless, maybe it's actually counterproductive. Have you thought of that? You should. I'm not saying I have the answers. I'm saying I have maybe some decent questions. <laughs> I don't know. All right, guys, come on back. One more break, and then it'll be time for Mills. He's got uh, research analyst Craig Hewitt on. Got one more segment, 801-254-5855. Give us a call. Dad's Mercedes Z-Class has 26,000 miles on it, but I'm taking it to a billion zillion. Of all the things you hand down to your children, very few will be of the quality of a certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz. Because a certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz is 100% through and through a Mercedes-Benz. And right now, during our certified pre-owned sales event, you can get exceptional 1.99% financing on select models. Every one of our certified pre-owned vehicles undergoes a rigorous inspection by factory-trained technicians to ensure it meets the uncompromising standards of Mercedes-Benz. And considering we invented the automobile, those standards are indeed high. Plus, a warranty and roadside assistance for up to five years and 100,000 total miles. And now, with three months of serious satellite radio. Thanks in advance, Dad. Hurry into the Mercedes-Benz certified pre-owned sales event now through October 1st. And remember, if it's not at your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer, it's not certified pre-owned. See dealer or call 1-800-4-Mercedes for complete program, including certified pre-owned limited warranty and serious satellite radio details and limitations. Not all customers are qualified for advertised APR and are subject to prior credit approval. Some people would call him a loser. He ran for state office. He was beaten. He started a business. He failed. He ran for Congress. He lost. He was nominated for vice president. He lost again. But he knew only those who never tried are the real losers. And Abraham Lincoln was no loser. Persistence. Pass it on. A message from the Foundation for a Better Life. 
credit challenges, late pays, short sale, foreclosure, bankruptcy. If you have experienced any of these symptoms, we can help. The credit doctors are having a free credit checkup Wednesday, March 20th at 7 p.m. at the Salt Lake Community College Sandy Campus. Call 877-643-7283 for details. That number again is 877-643-7283. What you don't know may hurt you. Even those with good credit, we can teach what you need to know to improve and keep your credit scores high. You don't want to miss this free credit checkup educational opportunity. We have even helped those with no credit to build credit so they can get auto loans, get a home loan without mom and dad co-signing. We have helped hundreds of people improve their credit scores. Call now, 877-643-7283. That number again is 877-643-7283. Don't miss this credit checkup event. That number again is 877-643-7283. All right, guys, we're back. Jake Shannon, radio show. Hope you guys are doing good. 801-254-5855. Wrap it up uh, today's show. Like I I, I was talking earlier, Stephen Kinsella, uh, thrilled to have him on uh, for the full hour. Uh, You know what these attorneys bill hourly, so uh, (laughs) uh, thrilled that he joined us. Uh, Of course, you know, I I enjoy lawyer jokes as much as anybody, I'm sure. Uh, But anyway, I, I think Kinsella in my opinion, is probably the leading voice, not in the academic journals and not maybe, but kind of in the, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, Maybe it's just the internet. I don't know. But that kind of collective unconscious or whatever, people are waking. He's probably the person, in my mind, waking people up the most. Uh, walking up to him, tapping on the shoulder and telling him, hey, you know what, uh, you, you know, that whole thing. Sorry, that was wrong. Um, <laughs> so thrilled to have him. Check out his stuff. Again, you spell his last name. Just go type him into a search engine. You'll see uh, all the podcasts, the articles everywhere. Uh, he writes at thelibertarianstandard.com. Uh, Stephen Kinsella, K-I-N-S-E-L-L-A is how you spell his last name. Uh, and Stephen is S-T-E-P-H-A-N, by the way. If you missed it, go and, like I said earlier, get the archive. You can go and listen to any of the archives. We've had some really outstanding guests. Uh, and we try to have a fun time not to take it too, too seriously and to be too negative. A lot of times uh, talk radio can really do that. And, you know, I want to make your day a better day. <laughs> I don't want to get you all fired off so your wife is, is pissed at you for listening. Um, I, sometimes I can't help it, okay? So, sorry. But other times, you know, most times I'm trying to... To educate and to, to, I don't know, entertain to various uh, <laughs> degrees. Although I'm certainly sure that I'm making some people unhappy or uncomfortable, and that's part of it too. I mean, look at it like, like a comedian or an artist, right? Isn't that the 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 call? Is to challenge? Is to maybe try something new? To ruffle some feathers a little bit? So, anyway, uh, intellectual property right, talking about licensing in general, though, not just license agreements like in property, but also occupational licensing. You know, we're talking theory. You're not going to do anything. Look, I'm, I very much dislike 
the whole idea of an income tax. But guess what? I pay my income tax up the wazoo. Because that's how it is. I'm not... That's why I look down on these people that think that this that this revolution that is happening now, that it'll be violent, like the uh, the American Revolution. I think that's why it failed. It's because it was violent. I think this has to be an ideological revolution. This has to be a critical mass. This is open, not closed. The discussion, the argument, people trying to hash this out and come to a better conclusion. Like a sculpture. Everybody whittling it down and, to, and, and creating this form of art. Now, this is, you know, in the market, Adam Smith called it the invisible hand or, you know, um, Hayek would call it spontaneous order, which is what kind of it's being taken on in the in the scientific literature. Randomness, true randomness. But like swarm behavior. Have you ever seen those videos like on YouTube of the swallows, those birds? I'm not talking about the uh, beleaguered district attorney in Utah here, or the attorney general. I'm talking about the bird. Uh, but you've seen them, the flocks. It's like watching a school of fish. Who's coordinating it? Nobody. They have this overarching sensibility. Guess what? Go to a roller rink on a Saturday, a popular roller rink. Are there traffic lights? Are there? Are there traffic lights? Are there stop signs, yield, merge? Are there blinkers? It's chaotic. It is absolutely chaotic. And everybody's okay. Roller rinks have been around forever. So, you know, we have to stop with the fear. I mean, we have to deal... I don't even want to say that because fear can be useful, but real fear when you're actually got a problem like probably the government is something to be rationally afraid of uh, to not trust them but just other people I think other people are basically good let's go to the phones uh, caller you're on the air what's your name Ray hi Ray I uh, you know I've been listening but I, I don't think I quite got it uh, am I uh, to assume that or his argument is the fact that because you don't, you can't physically protect your intellectual property the way you could your real estate or something like that. Therefore, uh, it's not as valid. Well, it's, so Stephen Kinsella's argument is more one about scarcity defining uh, property and this idea that you transfer ownership and ownership is originated by homesteading, by making a claim that you that you're the first there to own it, okay? That's why he finds IP untractable, intractable. Now, you can defend intellectual property, and there are people again, like you look up Kim.com. The guy actually na- changed his name. It's Kim, like K-I-M, but last name is .com. Look him up. This whole thing that happened with Pirate Bay uh, and file sharing or whatnot. Uh, it's the same thing that was like remember Napster a couple years ago. You can enforce property rights like that if you have a big uh, symbol. But, I mean, to be honest, have you ever shared a recipe with somebody? Well, yeah, but I don't think that's the same thing. Well, that's what he's saying. He's saying it is the same thing. If you're talking about property that's physical, 
you're still talking about the same principle because you're talking about actually making a claim in which you're saying, I'm first. Well, uh, a patent owner would say, well, I was the first to, you know, that I should be acknowledged on this to use this. And, and to me, that idea of first, first, uh, you know, so for how long? For infinity? You know? For infinity? No, the man no, who no, the man who no, created the wheel? That. I don't believe that. I, then I then believe... it's arbitrary, right? Because then you're going to put some limit on it. How do you define ownership? How is it that you own something? Typically, there's three D's to anything that's got property. It's defensible, divestible, and divisible. Typically, IP runs into a real hard time. It's hard to defend that because, yeah, you can single people out like him.com. But by and large, you're sharing recipes. You're just file sharing, sending somebody a, a, a picture on the Internet. You didn't take the picture. Facebook, look at all these things called memes now. Everybody posting a meme. I, mean, I could use that excuse to say, well, uh, a lot of things you can't completely enforce because – because people break the law, so therefore, because people can break the law, it's not really absolutely defendable, and therefore, because it's not absolutely defendable, we shouldn't have a law because uh, it can't be completely defended. Is and the law? Not, but wait, I understand respect for the law, but is uh, the law always right? Because I mean, everything Hitler did was quote unquote legal. No. But it's not necessarily all wrong either. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. We're defending. We're de we're right now debating over what is right and wrong in the law, and as such, there are people. For example, right now, and this is Kinsella's argument with regards to scarcity. We live in an age where you right now could make as many PDF copies of a book or of a uh, MP3 song on a radio or something like that. I mean, I'm old enough to remember cassettes. I used to tape record songs off the radio and listen to them because I, th that's just how it was. We're talking late 80s or something like that. Under the law, that's wrong. I don't think so. I don't think that's wrong because nobody is out. By lighting one candle doesn't extinguish the candle of another person. And the arguments that, oh, well, artists won't create if they uh, don't own their ideas – is totally not true, and you can look to the open, so open source software movement. You can look to many bands that make plenty of money from the experience. They sell T-shirts and swag, and they make have tickets, and they tour, and people want the live experience, and they use the MP3 as a business card, as as an, an invite, an invitation for people to come to that concert and that way they can sell an experience so there are other ways and we have to I think look at this especially we are moving towards less and less scarcity in the world and is that are we creating some weird kind of cartel you know I mean this is something I think that does deserve debate I don't think the debate is finished but I am very much con I am falling on the side of being against intellectual property I think it makes a lot more sense to me well it if, if you take any law and, and you you reject it on its on its uh, adverse effects without looking at, at the whole picture, then I think I think you're making a mistake. You know, <laughs> like anything else. Well, I let mean, me ask uh, you. Let me ask you a question. Carl Marx. You know, he really uh, 
poo-pooed the idea of people being free. He had, he wanted the law to set down, you know, uh, equal that everybody'd have an equal right because because companies would get too big. So he could leg- legitimize the fact, you know, of, of controlling uh, people because they got too big. Well. Well, that's yes, all. That, Look, that all is, you're doing is. is the exact same thing. You're creating, you're creating a government monopoly on the use of guns and jails to defend a certain, a certain group of people. It's the same thing. So, what then, we have. But then, by this very same virtue of this very same thing, we could say that libertarianism is wrong because, because it can, it allows you to control a monopoly that wouldn't, that couldn't be controlled otherwise. You couldn't say how big a thing could be. Even if it destroyed the whole country, a monopoly would still, you know, uh, under free market rules, you know, could, could just literally control a town and control everyone to, to, to an extent. I mean, you can always make a, a rule uh, by just looking at one, you know, either one no, way or I the get, other. I get where you're expand, going, but let me ask you a question. Rule, let me ask you a question. Here's my, here's my weak attempt at the Socratic method. And, and I'm sorry, what was your name again? Ray. Ray, Ray, yes. So, Ray, are you good because laws? Like, are you? do you not kill people because the law says don't? Or is it just because you're a good person and you put yourself in another person's shoe and you wouldn't want somebody to kill you so you don't kill them? Do you do it because the law? Or no. do you do it? Okay. No, well, <laughs> I would do it for neither reason. <laughs> so, okay, so why do you not kill people? Because it's wrong. Ah, because it's wrong. It has nothing to do with the law. In fact, this goes back to Plato. Plato uh, would agree that good people are good without the law. And criminals, by definition, break the law. So laws don't really matter. What matters is this idea of right and wrong. And that's outside of the law. That's outside of the state. That's even outside of religion. Sometimes religion steps in and people's religious values and right and wrong merge. But this idea of ethics, of our relationship to other human beings, largely stems, and there's a long tradition of this, again, like Plato, uh, Immanuel Kant with the categorical imperative, uh, a lot of times across every religion, from Christians to Muslims to Jews, this idea of the golden rule, this idea of empathy. Well, no no one is disregarding empathy to, to make the point that you still need to regulate things uh, on Do some you? basis, Do huh? you? outside well, I, outside of outside of uh, removing those people who harm others and defraud others, and not for punishment, but to protect the, those who are good people, what other need for law is there? Yeah, but it's not outside. A, a law includes the fact that the, the, the people aren't outside. That there's people who who will do that. That that will. Infringe on others' rights. Yeah, they're in the they're in the minority, but they will, and as such, the law is there to protect people a- from actually, harm. Actually, you know, actually, Ray, it's not I'm sorry, buddy. Ray, we're out of time, my friend. These commercials come and go as they please. I'd love to talk to you more. Call back tomorrow. I'll be here. All right? all right, we can continue the discussion. Guys, come on back. Stay tuned for uh, Mills. I'll be back tomorrow. Hey, this is Dan, the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. You know, there's really only a couple places you're going to buy a computer from. The Internet, 
or maybe a retail box store. It's pretty scary buying off the internet. Can you imagine if your computer needed service and it was damaged in shipment or worse yet, it disappeared with all your private data on it? Or at a retail box store where you have an appointment and suddenly you feel like